The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to mention a few things to you. One being the quantedge.com. It's a great new site. They started with football. They did basketball. Now they've dribbled into baseball time. They have all the great tools, a lineup optimizer, park factors, weather, pitcher versus pitch types, batters, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I got the luxury of writing there four times a week. And if you'd like to get a Major League Baseball DFS season-long pass for $25 off, or you'd like a month pass to all sports for $10 off, use promo code Bubba. So go to thequantage.com, get the MLB season pass, $25 off, or the all sports monthly pass, $10 off, or this the sports betting package for $10 off using promo code Bubba. So go check it out, thequantage.com, promo code Bubba for all the discounts you're looking for. Also, if you could go to mybookie.ag, you're looking to make wagers. The Sweet 16's kicking off on Thursday night. Lots going on there. You got baseball action. You got the AAF, all kinds of cool stuff, golf, tennis, you name it. They got it over at mybookie.ag. And when you use promo code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D, you get a first-time deposit bonus up to uh, 50%, up to $1,000. So go to mybookie.ag, promo code BENCHED, deposit $100, use promo code BENCHED, get a free $50. Deposit $500, free $250, all the way up to $1,000. mybookie.ag, promo code BENCHED. Last but not least, give me a rating and review over on iTunes. I'd much, much appreciate it. It would help me move on and up the ranking so more people could find Bench with Bubba and listen to it. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 157 with Joe Gentile of Fake Teams Fantasy Sports, talking some fantasy baseball sleepers. everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 157 it is opening day it has officially happened so we're going to talk some more fantasy baseball as usual we'll talk about potential sleepers to look at on your waiver wire that were not drafted this season or if you're in a shallow league might be available 
over some recent MLB news and talk about one of the most interesting draft strategies I've seen in a long time. In order to do so, I got a member of Fake Teams. I was in their Fake Teams draft. This will be his draft we'll be talking about. He's on Twitter at Joe Gentile FD. Joe, how are we doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, again, thanks for joining me. Um, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun uh, banging this out. There's been It's been good getting to know you through Twitter over the last few months of uh, baseball prep, so it'll be uh, fun to sit down and chat with you and talk some baseball for a little bit. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, before we get going, why don't you let everybody know what you got going on at Fake Teams and uh, anything else where they can find you, all that good stuff. Um, so you can find me at Joe Gentile FT on Twitter, and uh, I mostly cover sleepers at SB Nation's Fake Teams, and right now I'm actually working on a post on potential minor leaguers outside the top 100 that could be um, contributors in the 2019 season. Nice. I might have to poke your brain about that towards the end with just a little you can give a little tease at the end on that one and uh we'll uh get them over to fake teams to go check that out for you um let's talk about some recent news before we get into your team and whatnot uh broke yesterday Kendris morales traded from the blue jays to the a's kind of makes sense with matt olson going down um we don't know exactly for how long so you never really know with a handmade injury um you know jesus lopez and some international money going back to toronto there's a lot of different kind of dominoes that could take place here. What's your initial thoughts on this move and on this fantasy relevance? Um, I think Morales is a really underrated uh, fantasy asset. I mean, if you look at his stat cast numbers last year, he had a hard contact rate over 50%, which is, I mean, that's like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton level. Um, so I could see him finding some power this year, you know, hitting over 30, like getting around 30 home runs. Um, a little concerned about the declining contact rate, but overall, I think I don't even think he's costing you anything in drafts, so he could be a steal. Yeah, he's on a lot of waiver wires. Uh, he either went super, super late, but if you're not in super, super deep leagues, he's he's locked, loaded, and available for you out there. He's going to get sniped up early and often right now, so you have to go get him. I, I agree with you. He's a great. Great kind of underrated guy out there. I wrote about him way early in draft season about when you look at his stat cast numbers, look at his ex-WOBA versus WOBA, XBA versus all those advanced metrics like you, guys, you were saying is he's super – you never want to say he got robbed or wasn't lucky, but the numbers showed he, he didn't you know get his potential. And uh, there's a lot to like there in that swing. And I think it'll be interesting because uh, you got Chris Davis as the DH there. So does Davis go to the outfield and become outfield eligible in leagues? Does – Morales plays in first base. I think it's going to be a little bit of both, and you might get eligibility out of both that you didn't have come draft season. So that'll be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, the uh, side effect in Toronto that I'm really excited about is Rowdy Telez uh, coming there. I'm a big Rowdy Rowdy fan. I'm not sure if you look too much into Rowdy Telez, but uh, there's a there, there's some intriguing factors there with Rowdy. Yeah, I looked into him in the preseason. Um, I believe his hard contact rate was like 40% on stat cast. Um, Decent. Hold on. I think he had a decent contact rate um, in the minors. So, yeah, at 16.7% strikeout rate. So he's got power, but he's not going to be like a big strikeout guy, which is going to be really useful for um, that. I really like the power guys that don't swing and miss a lot because usually if you hit the ball hard a lot and you make contact consistently, your batting average should be um, higher. Yeah, I'm with you. It was pretty cool with, with Rowdy. He got, you know, played 23 games in basically September last year, and he did hit 314 and 73 at-bats, four home runs, nine doubles, 14 RBIs. 
So there's a lot to like there. Again, September pitching, who knows what it really was, but um, something to keep in mind. So I, I think Kendris and Rowdy, you know, sneak peeking to potential week one waiver wires are two guys you could definitely go grab. And um, if, if you had to be, how aggressive would you be on the waiver wire for either one of those guys? Uh, not too aggressive. Um, they, they're going to be like probably both. They could get 30 home runs, um, maybe around like a 250 batting average, but it's not going to be like huge upside. But if you need like home runs, um, which I do in the league we're in, um, that might be pretty valuable. Yeah, no, I guess it is definitely team. Team construct uh, will dictate this, but I think there's definitely an opening there uh, in both parts. Just the only last caveat I'll put in there is when Matt Olson does come back eventually, you'll have to wonder how that plays out with Kendris and Crush Davis and all that. Same with Rowdy Telez. There, there's other options there. Maybe, you know, when Vladimir Guerrero is healthy, they bring him up to DH or whatnot. So really interesting to see how that all plays out. So, yeah, I, I like them both to add this week. I'm not sure how crazy I want to go to add them. Now, how long is Matt Olson out for? He's four six weeks. Is that right? I've heard four to six. Um, You know, guys in the past, Pablo has uh, had it for the Giants twice. And, you know, that times you get like eight to 12 weeks. The power really never comes back for a year. So it's all over the board on what's really, really going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's tough to say. They're they're saying four to six, but – I don't know. It's interesting. I've heard of guys already dropping medals, which I think is crazy. But, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I saw some people drop them in TGFBI, so yeah, might need to pick I, them up. Yeah, I, I'd say if you have a spot to stash them, I and mean, in TGFBI it's tough this year because it's on the NFBC format where there's no injured list. Um, so that makes it tricky. But I have them in a couple other leagues because I'm a big Matt Olson guy, a Chapman guy. For some reason, I just get sucked into the, the young A's talent there, which is – very easily to get sucked into. Um, yeah, I couldn't find myself to drop them. There was no way that was happening. So I guess, again, you know, team format, but there, there would be no way I'd be dropping them. I'm with you. Go grab them earlier than later because you can still get them pretty cheap probably before, you know, the rumblings of him coming back, coming to play and all that good stuff. All right. Fernando Tatis Jr. This dropped literally less than five minutes after I hit stop record on my last episode. It never fails. There's always big news that drops right after you finish an episode. <laughs> so we get to talk about it here, Joe. Um, it, you know, if you're on Twitter lately, it got a little hostile over, you know, nothing. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion, but apparently not when it comes to Fernando Tatis Jr.'s projections. But um, what do you think about him? He, he started today. He was batting, like, fifth or sixth, playing shortstop for the Padres. He got the call, and he's going to get the everyday role, it looks like. Yeah, um, I think – with so we had the projection guys and the prospect guys going at each other basically and the prospect guy or the prospect guys see him as like a really good player like a 260 270 hitter and then the um some of the projection guys i saw james anderson i don't know if he was kidding or not but he said he had was would have like a 230 batting average and i think there's a middle ground and i think that's what he's going to do probably a 250 he's going to strike out a lot but this is a guy if you watch him hit he hits he just drives the ball with just force and um, he's going to have a high bat bit. He, he could honestly flirt with 35 home runs this year, and I don't think that's an over-exaggeration. I'm not saying he will, but the power is there. I mean, this dude is literally a stud in the making. If he can cut down that strikeout rate, we could be looking at a top-five fantasy player. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is um, the, the debate aside yesterday, which was interesting, um, the consensus I got from a lot of the guys that are prospect guys that have seen him a lot – 
is he is going to be kind of a batting average liability early on in his career because there is a lot of swing and miss in that swing. But at the same time, when he makes contact, like you said, it is loud, loud contact. Um, and he's, he's going to hit it really, really hard. So it's kind of that kind of catch-22. He, he might not be a, a batting average help, but he's got a lot of power and a lot of speed. Um, I, I know what you, you what tweet you saw with James Anderson there, and I talked to him a few weeks back about Tatis. And this guy is a legit 20-20, 25-25 type guy even this season uh, with more upside, like you said. So he's definitely got to go grab. Um, I'd say go grab him early and often. Um, he's out there in some leagues. How aggressive would you be on Fernando Tatis Jr.? Um, you're talking like fat bid? Yeah. Ooh, that's – Honestly, don't know because it's a big upside, but there's also a floor that's very low. Um, I'd honestly, let's say you have a thousand dollar budget, 10, 15 percent of your fab if you really want him. I mean, I bet you he's going to go for more though. I bet you he's probably in this next week. If well, I guess he's been drafted in TGFBI, but any leaks that probably like any NFBCs that he hasn't been drafted, I'm sure he's going to go for probably like 200, 300. I'm sure it's going to be ridiculous amounts. Yeah, no, he's going to go for a big, big time amount. So curious to see how that goes come Sunday night when those are all are ran. But uh, if you need a middle infielder or a shortstop, he's definitely worth putting a bid in. Don't just sit there and say there's no way you can pay for him. Go give it a shot because he could have a huge, huge imp- impact on your team. Like you said, though, the floor is very, very low at the same time. So buyer beware with the talent is very, very fun and um, could be a big difference maker. Yeah, and I don't know if you uh, saw Matt Thompson's tweet from Prospect Lives, but he did say that he's like added speed this season. He said based on his runtime in the spring, he would be about 65 speed, which I mean, uh, the I've seen scout grades that have him like at 50. So we're probably we might be underrating his speed a little bit. And also, the one thing I put out a tweet is Tatis. When you watch him hit, he looks like he could be the best hitter in baseball. There's no denying that. But I also put out that the guys we've missed on, the top prospects, have been swing and miss guys. Buxton, Moncada, Jonathan Singleton. So just be a little wary of what you could be getting yourself into. But I think I think we're looking at a solid fantasy player here. Yeah, I completely agree. There's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of possible results here. And uh, in the end, he's going to be a darn good ball player. Just maybe not this season, but he could be. We shall see. Um, another shortstop to talk about here, Francisco Lindor. You know, he had the calf injury. He was going to be out for a while. Then reports started coming back. He was ahead of schedule. He's on the, the practice fields, minor league games. Well, he was running the other day, and he hurt his ankle. So um, my, my tweet I put out there is, oh, shocker, you, re- you got him back too early for a calf injury. He's probably favoring his calf, so he hurt his ankle. Maybe not. That's just what it seems like at first glance. Could be totally different. But now I haven't heard a timetable for him to get back up and going yet, but definitely a big setback. Definitely a setback for a guy that likes to run. What's your thoughts on Lindor now with another injury to his leg, essentially? And I I don't know how I feel with Lindor this season because every time, like I was really big on him coming into the season, he got injured, and I was like, all right, let me drop him. And then I saw him getting back and hitting home runs in spring, like in the backfields, and I was, I was like, all right, I'm going for him again. And then he got hurt again, and I keep like – I'm having this – emotion with Lindor I just can't this roller coaster I can't do it um I'm really scared about this injury because it could mean he's not going to run much at the major league level I think whenever he comes back I feel like his hitting will probably be fine we'll probably see his hard contact rates and all that still we'll see um I think he's been honestly underperforming the past two years with his bat bib I think we could be looking at a 300 hitter 
that has 35 home run upsides, just the steals might not be there um, this next season. Yeah, that's my biggest concern. I was concerned about that when he had his calf injury, that the steals are probably gone. Um, And then, you know, like you said, the reports looked good. Like, here they come. Things are good. And then this is a major, major setback. So the power might be there. But I would be shocked if we see him in the month of April. But uh, you never know. Jose Ramirez was in the starting lineup today. And I I didn't think we'd see him so soon. So it'll be a wait-and-see approach with Lindor. But, yeah, big, big setback for a, a team that's lineup does not look appealing at all. Uh, speaking of Jose Ramirez in the opening day lineup, you guys have some fun with this for a couple minutes if you want. You said you were home watching baseball all day today. Any um, Anything that stood out to you? You know, Scherzer, DeGrom, or just filthy. Um, Hoskins hit a granny. Colton Long, of all people, double-donged. Um, any thoughts so far as we're still in the middle of the afternoon games? Um, yeah, I think I was watching uh, the Mets-Nationals game, and I, I feel like Scherzer and DeGrom, I feel like they're pretty good pitchers. Um, I don't know if that's been said yet or not, but I feel like they might be pretty good. Um, no, it stuck out to me. My boy Luke Boyd with that home run and the plate discipline, he's been killing it today. Um, and then Austin Meadows started, I think it was the first pitch of the game, hit a home run. And those are two guys that I'm really high on this year. Uh, Meadows, I don't know why Meadows was going around pick 200. Um I put out a tweet comparing him to Andrew Benintendi, like their contact rate, their O swings, their hard contact rates and all that. And 90% of them picked Meadows over Benintendi, if that tells you how good Meadows could be this season. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, he he took Verlander deep right out the gate in that same game, Snellzilla. Um, The regression monster is going to come for him this year. He's still a very, very good pitcher, but there were a lot of, a lot of issues with those numbers last year that, that, Again, I hate using the word lucky, but he kind of stood out in a couple spots. But he'll still be very good this year. Just don't expect as good as that. And it kind of showed in this first start against a good ball club. But a uh, long ways to go there. We don't want to go too overreaction on this. But you mentioned Austin Meadows. Segway. You said you're about pick 200. We're going to talk about your all-sleeper team. So I was lucky enough by Heath Caps to get invited to the fake teams and, uh, and friends fantasy league. First year running it. It's going to be fun. A little 15-teamer. Um, good times there. And all of a sudden, we're in the draft room, and I did not know that Joe was going to do an all-sleeper team. And with the eighth pick in the draft, all of a sudden, Austin Meadows goes off the board. And I'm sitting there going, what in the world just happened? <laughs> like, I had no idea what's going on. And then I'm like, okay, maybe it was like a, a weird auto pick. Next time around, Chris Paddock goes. Then Nathan Avaldi, so on and so forth. We can go through a lot of your roster, because there's a lot of really good names to talk about here. But essentially, why don't you let everybody know what your you had a kind of a rule in place that you could not do? What was your strategy, or what did you have to do for this team? Yeah, so um, I'm the big sleeper guy at fake teams, and uh, I wanted to test my sleeper knowledge this season. So I was not allowed to draft anyone with an ADP under 150. So I have to make a team of players drafted outside 150 and somehow try and compete with that. And Honestly, this might be the best pitching staff I've drafted. I've drafted, I've only drafted three teams this year and I'm trying to keep it small, but this might be the best pitching staff out of all my teams, which is funny, but um, the hitting, hitting's a little bit of a liability. Yeah, overall, it's like I was looking at your, your, your roster initially, it's actually really, really solid for um, how, it, how it came out. It just kind of surprised me because, you know, like I said, you got Chris Paddock out the gate, but Austin Meadows, per se, what made you – like you knew the strategy, no one's going to take him here. What made him your number one? Uh, just because I've been so high on him, I wanted my number one to be the guy I thought would be the best. 
And uh, Austin Meadows, as I said, his peripherals last season, now it was in a shorter time span. He only had about 200 plate appearances in the majors. But with those 200 plate appearances, his peripherals were better than Andrew Benatendi. And this guy, um, Brian Bloomfield, put out a tweet. He was like, "Who's there's been like, it's something like about one player every season that is drafted outside the top 200 that uh, finishes in the top 10 players. And he was like, who is it this year? And I was like, well, if, we're, if you allow me to do Austin Meadows, it's going to be Austin Meadows. He seems like the guy that could reach that top tier um, set of people. And I even did a post uh, a while back on five, I call it the five tool fantasy players. And it's players that have above average sprint speeds, above average hard contact rates. They have good long chain goals. They have a good chase rates and they have a contact rates. And there are only five players in all of baseball that had that. And those five players were Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, um, Jose Ramirez, Alex Bregman. And then the fifth one was actually Aaron Hicks, which I know some people will be surprised by, but um, Austin Meadows almost made that list. He just, he hit the ball in the air a good amount last season, but when he was in the majors, he also, he had a lot of balls below the launch angle of negative five. And those usually, I forget the BAPIP on him, but it's like a, like 100 ish BAPIP, 150 BAPIP, I think. So it's like, you're not going to get hits. You're not going to get home runs. And that's the only problem I had with him. If he fixes that this season and just hits in the air more consistently, then we're, he's going to join that next list of six or or five very good players. No, I like that a lot. Um, you went heavy pitching early, and you mentioned this might be one of your best pitching stats. You know, Chris Paddock, everyone's talked about him. I think pretty much everyone knows about him by now. You went Nady Gavaldi, Shane Bieber, Nick Pavetta, Eduardo Rodriguez, Tyler Glass now. And you went Jordan Hicks, Hicks uh, Jose Alvarado. So eight of your first ten picks were pitchers. Um, was that an initial strategy in place, or is that just kind of how you – like how, how much like pre-draft strategy did you do to go, okay, I need to work on guys after 150? Uh, besides my articles and stuff, zero, mm-hmm. I did not prepare for this draft. And, uh, as I said, my hitting kind of suffered a little bit because of it, but I also noticed because I got those mid tier p- pitchers, everyone wanted, you know, like Bieber and Giovaldi mm-hmm. and all pine or Caleb Smith and glass. Now I've noticed that when you guys got to like round 15, that your pitching staffs kind of like seem to flutter a little bit. It seems like I kind of mess with y'all's teams a little bit doing that, but, uh, I really liked the team and I was just like trying to take the best people off the board. And at one point I wanted to keep taking pitchers, but I had to like, like Corbin Burns go and Brandon Woodruff, but I really didn't want to, but I had to get that, uh, a hitting statistics part of it. Uh, your, your second hitter off the board was your fifth round pick. Yohan Mankata. We know how talented this guy has, but when we talk swing and miss, this guy has a ton of it. Uh, what's your thoughts on Mankata coming into 2019? Um, I was looking at it yesterday. Um, I'm sure you saw the thing on my on his stat cast stat cast page when his like ex batting average is like the worst in baseball, but like his hard hit rate um, is like one of the best, and it's very polarizing. Um, but he had, I believe, a 33% strikeout rate, which is awful. That's god awful. Um, but had a 70% contact rate, which isn't good, but that would make me assume he's at least going to be like more around like 
29, 30%, which is going to help him a little bit. Um, and also I could see that zone rate dropping if he becomes more of a big name around the league, because the more, the harder you hit the ball and the more publicity you get, um, the less pitchers are going to want to pitch to you, which will also help his strikeout rate drop a little bit. Um, so he's interesting. This is a guy, I don't know if he, he's going to steal 30 bases, but he has the potential to hit 30 home runs, maybe 20, 25 bases, which is really good. The only question is, what's that average going to be? Eight, you, you know who he kind of reminds me of? Who? Fernando Tatis. Yeah, I can see that. Big heralded prospects with a lot of swing and miss, but a ton of power. I can see that. Yeah. That's the thing with Moncada. Like, he had those games last year against the right pitcher, and he just started smoking it all over the diamond. And then for like two or three games in a row, he strike out like eight times. That was just that, – that was the the yin and the yang of Johan Moncada. So, uh, yeah, similar to the Tatis conversation we had earlier, if he could just hone in that you know, some plate discipline and maybe not so much of a hole in his swing, there's a ton to like there. Uh, talking about a guy that was a high prospect that did not pan out and keep, everyone keeps buying back in, and this is the year you took in the 11th round, Byron Buxton. Are you a Buxton believer this year? Um. Well, today he just hit a ball with 113 mile an hour exit velocity, so that makes me feel pretty good. Nice. Um, he, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of like swing and miss in this lineup because it was a sleeper lineup, and all the safe picks usually go in front of 150, so that kind of sucked. But uh, Buxton, he he's got decent power. I think we've overrated the power when he's coming up as a prospect. I don't think it's like as great. As we thought, I think maybe at max, he might be like around like a 36% hard contact rate guy, but he can still put up like 20, if we're lucky, maybe 25 home runs. But I'm going, I'm thinking somewhere 18, 20 home runs, but that speed is clearly for real. Um, This guy, if he can actually get on base, he could steal all the bases. He could lead the league in steals. He's just so fast. Um, And I believe he's had a lot of success stealing bases too. Yeah, over his career he has 46 stolen bases and he's only been thrown out five times. So this wow. guy, we just need to get him on base and once he gets on base he can steal. Wow. And his contact rate was around 73% last year. So in the year before, 72. So we've seen him improve his contact rate since coming up in the majors. So maybe he'll continue to improve and hopefully this is the year we have Byron Buxton. At least I hope so cuz He's going to be one of the anchors on my team. Yeah, he'll be a big part of your team. And I, I've, I've loved Byron Buxton. I was on board the last few years, and obviously we know how that ended up. I, I don't have any shares of him this year. I didn't intentionally not grab him. It just seemed uh, in drafts he was going around other guys I'd rather have. So like if there's Buxton believers out there, and they're going to jump ADP to get him. So it never really felt to where I felt comfortable taking him. But I'm rooting for him. I know he put on all that muscle this year, and you can show he hit 113 miles an hour today. That's obviously a great sign. Um, I, I know you keep referencing it. And I reference it a lot. Statcast people pay attention to that. That baseball savant website is amazing, and they keep adding more and more cool stuff there. Um, it is a tool to use. Like like Joe is saying with Yaman Kadi, he tweeted out the picture. It's the top right corner, and it shows you all these different things. Uh, I was I was looking at different players all all preseason. I just get bored at night and just start looking up names. And when one caught my attention, I'm like, oh, this is sweet. Let's talk about it. And there's so many ways you can find kind of, I wouldn't say hidden gems, but ways to kind of differentiate between certain players and StatCast 
is a new revelation and a new era that I think really needs to be exploited. So it'd be cool to see how Buxton's keeps looking. But if you want to talk about a stat cast guy, a guy that hits the ball extremely hard, you mentioned him, your boy. He went deep already today. Luke Voigt. Um, a, I'm assuming you're not concerned about Greg Bird, who also went deep today. But B, what's your expectations of Luke Voigt this year? Um, he's going to win MVP. No, really? No. I was about to go, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> bold, bold predictions. I love it. No, but he's – I liked him last season before the Yankees even got him. Actually, I put out a really good timely tweet last season talking about how Luke Voigt could be an underrated asset a week before the Cardinals traded him to the Yankees. So thank you, Luke Voigt, for making me look smart. Um, But he's a guy, he hits the ball extremely hard. I believe he had the highest ex-WOBA out of anyone. I believe he had the highest hard contact rate out of anyone with his amount of batted balls. Um, He had like the – he was top 10 in ex-batting average, I know. And the crazy part about those stats I just mentioned, those don't take into part – uh, park factors those are neutral parks so he's playing in po- uh, top three park in the league and he's top in ex-woba so if that gives you an idea of how good this guy could be now there is one problem i have with him and it's that his contact rate was below 70 percent last season we saw it at we saw him have a strikeout rate around 18 percent in triple a which was not great, but it's not bad. But if he's more of a like 70% contact rate, then maybe we should bring expectations a little down, but this guy could still be just an absolute monster. I think, I believe was one of my bold predictions. I forget what I said. I think I said Luke Voigt turns in like a top 50, I don't know if I said top 50 hitter or top 50 overall performance, but it was one of the two. I like it. Um, I was that guy that early, early draft season, I started doing my prep late December, early January. I'm like, there's no way. He had like a month of hot, like a month and a half hot streak, blah, 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 blah. I, I was telling myself no. And then again, I go start looking at StatCast. I start looking at other things. I start reading other material of people that are well-respected that, that know a lot more about stuff than I know that actually have insights into the teams and all these things, so on and so forth. Guys from the Cardinals, the Yankees. By Mar- like early March, I'm like, okay, I'm buying in. I think I got one or two shares of him. I, I picked him up in a dynasty league also, which I'm very happy about. Um, and-, and the part that makes me laugh the most is I'm not saying Goldie's not better than Voigt. That's pretty obvious to me. But the Cardinals could have saved a lot of money and a couple young players and still had Luke Voigt on their roster. The Yankees got a steal in this scenario. So it'd be really cool to see how this uh, plays out as the season goes on. Your next picks, you had Garrett Hampson, Manny Margot, Nixon Zell, and then Lourdes Gurriel Jr., that's the next guy I want to talk about here. He's a guy I was huge on. He was one of my late-round you know, middle infield options. I, I love the way he can hit the baseball. Um, the glove work I've heard at times can be interesting. But what's your, your take on Lourdes Gurriel for 2019? Yeah, he, he seemed to be the, um, being underrated in drafts. And I don't know if that's because people see Gurriel and they think maybe he's more like Lourdes. Or not Lourdes, sorry. He's more like Yuli. Yeah. And so he, they might think he's kind of like a high contact, not that much power. But Lourdes has like 30 home run power potential. He has more he's he has more potential than his brother for sure. Um, and he's gonna he makes a decent amount of contact. He has an aggressive approach at the place, which is gonna lead to a low contact rate, or not low, sorry, high contact rate, low strikeout rate. Um, and he's but he's not gonna draw many walks, but we're playing in roto, so that's not that big of a deal. Um, 
actually with a guy that has a good average, you actually want him to draw less walks. So his batting average counts more, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, this guy, I believe another guy, hard contact rate over 40%, um, hits the ball in the air a lot, has a heavy amount of batted ball events, which I think is the most underrated stat in baseball. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I run a projection system based on stat cast data and stuff. It's not out in the public, but I just do it on like Google spreadsheet. And I never thought of it, but the reason like Aaron judge, the reason it's hard for him to hit 50 home runs is because he doesn't have many batted ball events. If you cut Aaron judges strikeout rate in half, you could hit like 70. So the fact that this guy has a small amount of or a high amount of batted ball events and he has this hard contact rate and he hits a lot of fly balls i mean this guy's gonna put up some good power numbers no i like that a lot he he when before he got hurt towards the end of last year he was hitting the ball like crazy and i absolutely loved it then he gets hurt and kind of was a downer and i'm with you i was really concerned like i said with doing my research putting my rankings together like i had him in my top 20 he was like I can't remember where he was now, but initially I had him like between 15 and 20 and I wanted to have him higher, but I was trying to be realistic at the same time. And people were still wondering well, how I had him in the top 20. And I'm sitting there going, how do you not have this guy in the top 20? I couldn't figure out how people didn't agree with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So that's why I wanted to get your opinion on him because this guy, he, like, you might have nailed it. It might be they see his brother who's a very good contact hitter, very good line drive guy, might hit you 15 homers. Lourdes has big time power. Like you said, like really good power. I remember a spring training uh, game I was watching earlier this year. And obviously it's a little different in Florida and everything, but the ball flies out of Toronto for those that don't know. Um, he hit an absolute moonshot. Like it was one of those no doubter shots and he just trots around, like, you know, normal thing. So there's, there's a lot to like there. I'm with you a hundred percent on that one. Yeah. And I think part of it, I put out a tweet about prospects and I said, the funny thing about prospects and fantasy baseball, maybe, the worst values you get could be prospects, but also the best values you get could be prospects because I think those higher name prospect guys, like, you know, the top 10, like the Eloys, the Vlads, all those guys, they have all this publicity going around them. So people just push them up higher and higher. But then like the guys, you know, at the back end of the 100 that are just outside the top 100, they kind of get forgotten about. And uh, since they're not written about a lot, their ADP doesn't get pushed up. And that's where you can take advantage of the young guys. For sure. That's a great point because, you know, it makes you almost wonder if this was, say, five years ago, uh, if it would have been different because, like, this year, after watching, like, Acuna and company last year, and then this year coming into the draft, you had Victor Robles, you had Juan Soto and Acuna still there. You, and then you had, like, guys like Nick Senzel and Kyle Tucker and Eloy Jimenez, and there's just, like, a laundry list of prospects everybody targeted. And then people, like you said, just kind of forgot about Lourdes. So yeah. it, it is very, very interesting, given he's also an older prospect to some, but – the, the dude's talented, and he was batting, I think, was it fifth today for the Blue Jays? If he gets in the middle of that lineup in that building, again, he gets to play the uh, Orioles 19 times a year, uh, that's already a good start, let alone the rest of the season. So I'm good. I'm good with that. Um, after Dariel, you have Trevor May and then Kyle Tucker at round 18. This is a very, very uh, t uh, polarizing name at times because the Astros have him back down. It depends on how long he'll be down. But what do you expect from Kyle Tucker when he finally does get his chance? Uh, 35 home runs, um, 280 batting average, maybe even 290. I could see him hitting 300, honestly. Um, and 
The only question is the steals. He's so he's still a lot in the minor leagues, but he's not that fast. So and he's playing in a lineup that drives in a lot of runs, so they don't need him to steal. But um, I could see ten to fifteen steals still from him. So uh, and I mean that's top fifty player right there. By you, far. Think, you, you think he'll hit thirty-five home runs this season? Not this season because he's in the minor oh, league, okay. That's I, what I was looking. That's what I was wondering. Like, no, okay. no, I'm saying if sorry, I should have phrased that differently. If he's on like a six to seven hundred play appearance pace, if gotcha. he's going over okay. the whole season, then I'm looking. I'm looking at him for him to hit thirty to thirty-five home runs. And a lot of people like that seventy-two uh, play appearance, small sample size he had when he hit one forty-one. A lot of people that kind of sticks out and they don't like that. I'm loving what he did in the major leagues because he had like a 47% hard contact rate. I'm like, mm-hmm. this guy is just absolutely mashing the ball and he just needs to adjust maybe a little bit. And I was surprised to see too, the guy was aggressive at the plate. He had a 50% swing rate, which is way above the league average, but he still had a 25% chase rate. That's like, unheard of i've never i don't don't even i can't think of another guy that's done that now that might be because of small sample size but that's i just i've never seen that before that's the first time i've ever seen someone have such a high swing weight with such a low chase rate yeah no he's really really good like what people see in the minors of him is outstanding just hasn't gotten that full shot with the astros even when he was up last year so it'll be really interesting to see how that all pans out with him as it's uh it's really really good after that, you went Tyler O'Neill, Steven Souza, sadly hurt. I was a big Souza fan this year, so that one, that one stings. Um, Caleb Smith and then Michael Pineda. I like this pick a lot. Um, it seemed like people would forget about him because he'd fall so far in drafts. You got him around twenty-two, pick three twenty-three. Um, pretty decent spring coming back from uh, Tommy John. What's your outlook for Pineda in two thousand nineteen? Uh, think Masahiro Tanaka. That's what I think he does. That's Whatever that pick, that's awesome. Yeah, I think. And that was my comp. I was doing comps on sleepers. And I think Pineda, the good comp for him is Tanaka. He's got the strikeout potential. He's nasty. He doesn't walk much. But, man, he gets hit hard sometimes. Sometimes he – I don't know if he locates in the zone too much, but, man, he gets hard. And this is a guy in um, 2017, um, Aaron Saucedo's, his aces metric, mm-hmm. ranked him as the second-best pitcher in the league behind Noah, Noah Syndergaard and his pitches. He was second aces at the 100 percentile. That's how good this guy could be. And his, I believe his velocity was back at 95, too. So it's not like mm-hmm. he's throwing slower after uh, his injury. No, he's looking just fine. His last spring start there against the Rockies in Florida, I think he had seven Ks and two home runs. That's Pinata to a T right there. Like, that's why you call him Pinata. He's going to get hit hard, but he's going to most of the time get you a lot of strikeouts, pitch really well. Like you said, the velocity was back up. Now, there's a lot to like there with him, so I think that could be a very, very, very nice pick to go with your your nice rotation that you mentioned earlier. Uh, right after him, Pablo Reyes, a um, he's kind of a niche <laughs> name. P- people that know him mention him. What do we need to know about Pablo Reyes of the Pittsburgh Pirates? Um, it is. Uh, I just love this dude, and I'll. I think my love for him is just the fact that like he doesn't get drafted in leagues, but I know. Vlad Sedler is a big fan of Reyes, so that makes me happy to take Reyes. I'm like, oh, okay, Vlad's doing it, so I must be doing something right. Um, but in his small sample size last season, he hit like, what was his hard contact rate, 47%? And uh, 
I went back and looked at the hard contact rates because I was like, all right, this guy wasn't really seen as a big power hitter and all that. So I was like, let me look at his individual exit velocities. And I was like, you know, expecting to see like 95, 95, 95, 96, like just barely hard contact. No, he had a bunch. Most of them were over 100. And I was like, all right, this guy, something's weird here. And um, even if he doesn't pan out, like my last pick in the draft, like I'm not going to be sad um, to draft him because I can just drop him for like free. It's not going to cost me anything. And he's super fast. He has won the top sprint speeds. He had a good exit velocity last year. I mean, this guy has a lot of potential. And uh, I believe I had a tweet because people were saying, well, he's not going to like have that 47% hard contact rate um, this season. I was like, yeah, of course not. I was like, I don't expect that from him. Um, but I was like, let me do a little graph. And so I went on Google spreadsheets. Um, I don't have his launch angles, but I took Estrubal Cabrera's launch angles, who had like kind of a similar batted ball profile um, as him on fan graphs. So I took Estrubal Cabrera's batted ball data. I put in my projected strikeouts and walk rate for Reyes. And then I put in a different hard contact rates. And if he has like a 32 hard contact rate, then he's still projected to hit 21 home runs in a neutral park. Um, now he does play in Pittsburgh, so knock two or three home runs off that. But still, for your last pick, if he hits 18 home runs, maybe steals 10 bases, has like a 270 batting average. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, I do like that quite a bit. That uh, you got my attention. Like I said, I've, I've heard his name mentioned by by some smart people. That's why I want to get your opinion on that one. Um, Brett Gardner, Chad Pender, Vogelbach, Franchi Cordero, Mr. Pablo Lopez, Shebler, and Elias Diaz. Your your last pick was your catcher. Wraps up your draft. After your draft's all said and done, and there's a lot of really good names here, and this is actually, like I said, when you first started out, I was wondering, what the heck is he doing? And it actually panned out pretty well. You can't foresee Senzel's injury. You can't foresee Sousa Jr.'s injury. Those are things you just can't – that's out of your control. But what's your thoughts on um, – What's your next step with this team? Because you're going to have to make some moves. Uh, you're going to go for trades, waiver wire. What's your approach here? And and what's your goal? What's your finishing goal? Do you actually plan on finishing first, or are you trying to finish like better than half the league? I don't plan on finishing first. My goal is to finish top three. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but that's my goal. That's kind of what I've set out to do. Um, yeah, to start the season, it's probably going to be rough because I have a couple guys that don't have for sure playing time that I predict to have like playing time later on, like Tyler O'Neill. I don't expect Tyler O'Neill to be blocked by Dexter Fowler today. And Matt Thompson was talking about it, how Dexter Fowler just looked god awful today. He was he 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 hates that Dexter Fowler he starting hates right him now. A lot. Yes. Um and like Elias Diaz, he's sick right now. I'm just taking the zero at catcher this week because I would rather take the zero this week and then have a catcher that's like Diaz, when he's in the lineup, I think he's going to be a top 10 catcher. He might be top five, honestly, because um, he's got power and he's going to hit for average. So my plan with him is just to take the zero this week, but I'm not going to take any negatives from a catcher. And then rest of the season, I'll have his positives come. So he, he had some like illness, like he was sick or he had a virus. It was weird. He's rehabbing um, right now. I was reading something about that today. Yeah. It, uh, a Sousa injury really hurt. Um, the cell. Senzel one not being on. I got Senzel because I thought he was going to be on the starting lineup. Had I known like Peter Alonso and Tatis were going to make the team, I would have drafted them instead. But we did this like a week before all that news came out. Um, but 
what I did when Sinzel got sent down, Souza got hurt. I needed a, um, it was either a middle infielder or a corner. I needed a corner infielder. And I picked up a guy who, I, he wasn't even in the player pool, I don't think, when we were drafting. He just got put in the player pool. Dylan Moore for the Seattle Mariners. And it's an interesting name. If you look at his and uh, Sinzel's minor league stats, now minor league stats aren't predictive and stuff, but I'm just throwing this out there. His minor league stats, Sinzel, over 600 play appearances. Sinzel was like on pace for 19 home runs, 25 stolen bases, 310 batting average. Well, Dylan Moore last season was on pace for 19 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 299 batting average. So this guy could be a steal. He plays everywhere. He plays first, second, third. I'm pretty sure he even plays short and outfield. So he's not going to be like the starting, like that guy you're going to see starting at one position every time, but he's going to move around for the Mariners. He might play outfield one game. He might play third base. Um, I put out a tweet saying that MLB.com had Tim Beckham as a starting third baseman and shortstop with Seager gone. So they obviously have some holes and they're going to need to fill it with this utility guy. So he's going to be put in just every other game, you know, like Marlon Gonzalez type, you don't think the at-bats are going to get there, but he's probably going to accumulate some. He's going to give me some home runs. He's going to give me some stolen bases. And I don't think the average is going to be bad either. Um, honestly, the guy, he hits a lot. He has decent raw power. The bat speed looks good. It's a good amount of fly balls. Doesn't swing and miss much. I mean, let me put it this way. The Mariners, and Jerry DePoto is a smart guy. I know some people like to hate on him, but he's a smart dude. He knows what he's doing. Dylan Moore has never played a major league game before this past season. The Mariners signed him to a major league contract for some reason. They literally knew this something was special about this guy that they were going to sign this minor leaguer that they could probably sign to a minor league deal to a major league contract because that's how for sure they were about this dude. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to check this guy out some more and see if I can snipe him up some more because that sounds like something that could definitely uh, help a roster out see with injuries going on and the flexibility, like you said, that's a uh, Pretty, pretty big there. Um, let's talk about some possible free agents to target coming up to the waiver wire. I know you had a, a list of sleepers that uh, you put together. We'll go over some of them. Pete Alonzo, if he wasn't drafted, is likely to get drafted early or picked up early and often. Ryan McMahon, Jorge Polanco. I want to get your thoughts on um, Tyler O'Neill, though. I didn't ask him about him on your team. You drafted him. What's your thoughts on Tyler O'Neill? Because playing time is in question, but the talent is pretty darn good. Yeah, I'm not worried about playing time. I mean, as I said, he'll he's going to probably pinch hit right now every once in a while, like every game probably going for the pitcher and pinch hit. But I'm not too worried about it because I'm pretty sure Dexter Fowley is going to play himself out of the role and they're going to put Tyler O'Neill in. And O'Neill, I mean, I'll, that dude's just jacked. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's – Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Just jacked, and he just – Jacks the ball. Um, he had like a 45% hard contact rate. He just hits the ball with fours. He does swing and miss a lot. And over his small time in the majors, he had like a contact rate under 60%. That's like worse than Joey Gallo. But I don't think it's going to be that bad. I'm, he's going to probably be like around like a 30, maybe even a 32% strikeout guy. But he like led the league in barrels for batted ball events, I believe, for anyone with his amount of batted ball events. And um, he hits the ball force. I'm not going to expect much of an average, but this is a guy, you know, he could be, he could hit, if he had 600 play appearances, 650 plate appearances, this guy could hit 40 home runs and maybe steal 15 bases. 
I mean, this is a guy with a lot of potential. This is like, it's like one of those prospects. It's like when we talk Tatis or Moncada or Buxton, this guy has a super high amount of potential, but he has a very low batting average floor. So you got to kind of weigh the two for how high a ceiling is and how low his floor is. But since I got all sleeper team, I'm going to try and be competitive. I was just like, give me Tyler O'Neill and we'll see how it goes. I like it. You just nailed it there. When you draft a team of all sleepers, you need that. You, you can't worry about the floor so much. You need that ceiling, and he, he does bring a possible ceiling to you. Uh, you got Brett Gardner on the list. Not a sexy name by any means, but likely if he's in anywhere in that Yankees lineup, he's got some some validity to him. What's your thoughts on uh, Brett Gardner? You got him here on your waiver wire list. Yeah, I was uh, not expecting that. Um, first off, I thought Gardner would be more owned, especially since he's a Yankee. I thought that Yankee tax would come in. Um, but we have, uh, Aaron Hicks hurt right now and Brett Gardner. I mean, he's not a bad player. He's kind of what I guess we'd call him a boring player. Yeah. Um, pretty much. Vanilla. He's old. People think yeah. he's pretty much done. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's still, I don't think he's going to go 2020, but he has 2020 upside. I think we're probably looking at, uh, I forget what my projection was for him. I think it was like 23 stolen bases and maybe 16 to 18 home runs. Um, that's pretty solid. Decent, yeah, decent batting average. Uh, his speed's going to help his bat bat out a little bit. He's has a great plate discipline. Um, I I didn't check, but I think he's hitting at the top of that lineup too. Which, if that is the case, um, then uh, he's going to have a bunch of runs scored because that yeah. lineup is nasty. They're going to score a ton of runs there. So, yeah, definitely something to look at. I, I'm pretty sure he was leading off today. Yeah, he was leading off today. So that, that, that's kind of why he got my attention. You know, you got a guy like that leading off in that lineup. That's pretty darn good. Now the question is, are you concerned about playing time when Aaron Hicks gets back? Uh, No, because if, if I have to drop him, I'll drop him. Um, outfield, outfield's the one position. And I know people in five outfield leagues, they say you need to, like, get your outfielders early. I don't. I don't think that. I think outfield has so many guys you can pick up that people don't know of. Um, I think Franchi Cordero at some point, someone's probably going to get hurt, especially with how likely like Will Myers is to get hurt or something. So I think at some point we probably see Franchi Cordero starting for the Padres. And he, I, he has, he's a guy to bring up Fernando Tatis again. Um, he, someone asked me, they're like, what do you expect for Tatis? I was like, probably about what, Franchi Cordero would do over the same amount of play appearances. They're two different profiles. They're not same profiles, but Cordero has immense. Cordero might be top five in raw power. Like he might have yeah. top five raw power. It's freakish. In the yeah. Freakish. He just hits the ball on the ground a lot, but this is a guy, you know, 30, 35 home runs. He has one of the top sprint speeds, but another guy, little aggressive at the plate swings and misses a lot. If he can, He's going to have to rely on a heavy bat bib to be like really good in roto leagues. But even if he has like a 230, 240 batting average, I think he's still pretty good roto league player because he's going to get you the home runs and he's going to get you the stolen bases when he gets on base. Yeah, no, I like him a lot. I remember last year, the Franchi Revolution, he had one of the hardest and longest home runs in baseball. I believe it was in Arizona, just an absolute shot last year. And uh, Will Myers already dropped a fly ball today, like a routine fly ball. So, just a matter of time before he gets hurt tripping over himself in the outfield or something. So it'll come. Uh, you got a couple more guys on the list here. Um, you know, some infield. Uh, Pender's got outfield eligibility as well, but kind of 
you know, platoony type guys, but they're going to find a way in the lineup more often than not. And Jeff McNeil and Chad Pinder, one more of an average guy, one more of a power guy. Um, how do you look at those two, and how do you rate them on like importance to add? Uh, McNeil, if you can add McNeil, add him right now. This dude, I call him, I call it the Jed Lowry effect. And it's these players, and I know his contact's really good, but no one really cares about contact rate that much. Um, I don't know why, but it's these players that do everything well, but nothing they really do stands out to you. Like they hit the ball pretty hard, but not like not like forty percent or not even really thirty-five percent hard contact rate. Um, they make good contact. They have good plate discipline. Um, their launch angles are good, but it's nothing that really like pops. So people, it's easy to overlook them when you're going over like the top of the leaderboard, top of the leaderboard, because they're they're probably more down 50, 100 range, but they're good stats. They're like league average, if not just tad above league average. So with McNeil, with all those factors, when you put in a projection system, it really likes him. Um, especially, as I said earlier, the most overlooked stat in baseball may be the batted ball events because he like him and Williams Estadio have so many bad at ball events that if they have like a 30%, actually, let me put it this way. Williams Estadio, since he had so many bad at ball events last season, he had like a 30% hard contact rate. Well, let's take like Mike Trout who had like a 47% hard contact rate. But since his bad at ball events were like at a lower percentage, they had like the same amount of hard hit balls. Basically that's, how important this batted ball event stat can be. It's just, it gets overlooked because it's nothing you really pay attention to. So McNeil still has the potential for 20, 25 home runs, even if his hard contact rate is like 30, 32%. And he's going to not strike out at all. So you'll get a good um, batting average out of it. I mean, he's one of the rare guys that could have a higher batting average than his bat pip. That's how good he is. All right. Uh, let's talk about a couple of pitchers here. Two Brewers guys leads the way for you. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, obviously Freddie Peralta also made the mix there. But you got Woodruff and Burns on the list here. Uh, how do you differentiate those two if you're heading to the waiver wire? Um, I kind of view them kind of the same. I like Burns a little bit more. Um, Burns is kind of a RPM guy. Has a really nice fastball um, out of the bullpen last year. He caught a lot of people swinging and missing. I don't believe, though, his strikeout weight was that great. I think it was like 23%. It was good, but, yeah, 23% exactly. Um, but he had a 68.7% contact rate. So going up against the lineup, seeing it, like, multiple times, he'll probably – I'm guessing when he goes through the lineup, he'll probably see it twice. I don't think they'll go make him go through it three times very often because it's the Brewers, and they have such a – well, they had such a strong bullpen. I don't know about now. Yeah, they had is the keyword. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know exactly what they're going to plan to do with him, but um, his peripherals will probably change a little bit since he's having to go through the lineup a little bit more. But he's a guy probably around. He'll have a tad above average uh, strikeout rate, probably about average walk walk rate, and he's going to probably high threes, low fours ERA guy. He's going to be a good everyday starter, and he has the potential for more. He he has a pretty high ceiling as well. So, Okay. Uh, you have a couple Marlins on the list here. Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez. We, we know that 
Uh, Trevor Richards made the rotation. They got rid of Dan Straley. Wei Yin Chen's in the bullpen now. Marlins are actually letting the youth do their thing. Uh, you got Smith and Lopez on the, the list here. How would you differentiate those two like you did for the Brewers? Smith and Oh, Smith above Lopez for sure. I know a lot more people are talking about Lopez right now, but Smith. It seems like people forget what Smith did last year. Yeah, you know uh, that bold predictions that tweet they had going on where it was like list your Cy Young and stuff. I did I did like a normal one where I had like Thor as the NL Cy Young. But I was like, you know what? I say like really bold stuff all the time. So I was like, let me do a sleeper one real fast. And I had Caleb Smith um, as the NL Cy Young winner on that one if I had to pick someone with like an ADP outside of 200. Because he, first of all, nasty pitcher. Um, Aces metric really likes him. Uh, I believe it had him as like the sixth highest left-handed pitcher. Um he catches a lot of people swinging. And the one problem with him last year was his walk rate. But when I was looking at it, his peripherals kind of, they kind of say he should have a little bit um, lower walk rate, maybe not at league average, but maybe like 9%, something like that. Um, and uh, especially spring training, he only walked one guy. So that was really encouraging to see after I saw that his peripherals said that he should have a lower walk rate. And he gets a lot of fly balls. I know people really don't like fly balls, but the thing with him is a lot of his fly balls, they come at a launch angle above like 45, 50%, which those balls, the likelihood of them being home runs is like 0.0001% or something. Just like, you're not going to hit a home run at that launch angle. And especially in that park and their bat bib is like, point 0.08 or not 0.08 point yeah 0.08 um so they're not likely to fall for hits they're not likely to fall for home runs they're basically free outs it's basically almost like a strikeout like a for sure out um and so that's going to help them and then the fly balls that are hit within that you know 15 45 percent launch angle those balls are going to uh stay in the park more often since he's in uh miami so that also helps him. So he's like the perfect pitcher. Like the Yankees couldn't have had him in Yankee Stadium. No, but it wouldn't work out at all. The Marlins moving him or the Yankees moving him to the Marlins works out perfectly for his value because those fly balls are going to stay in the stadium more. He's going to strike a bunch of guys out. And if his walk rate goes down, I mean, if he's an above average walk rate guy, this guy's going to be easily a top 30 starting pitcher, I think. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him as well. That's why I want to get your opinion on it. He, he It seems like everyone wants the Pablo Lopez, even Trevor Richards over Caleb Smith. And I, I see Richards' appeal. Like I have Richards and Smith pretty close, but I think I like Smith a little more. But yeah, Pablo Lopez, I, I got to see a little more. He kind of – we've seen pitchers like this jump so fast that it, more often than not it doesn't work out. I'm not saying it's not going to for Pablo Lopez, but uh, I'd rather have Caleb Smith, Trevor Richards as well. Um, last guy I want to ask you about here is you've got Bryce Wilson on this list. He, him, Kyle Wright, they made the rotation. Gossman's back soon. Fulty's going to be back. Who knows where it's all going to, you know, when the dust settles, where it's going to lie. But Bryce Wilson's not a name that everybody knows, and people are trying to talk about him now. What's your what's your insight on Bryce Wilson right now? Yeah, I believe he was, like, the number one most added fab guy in FBC leagues. Um, he is a really good guy, really good fastball. He's got a pretty good slider. I mean, fan's good. I'm not a big prospect guy, so I want to sit here acting like I know like all the prospect stuff. 
but I know Matt Thompson was really big on him and Matt Thompson was also really big on Corbin Burns. So if that says something, um, he's going to get, he's got the swing and miss in his game. Probably not going to be that bad of a walk guy. Probably I'm, I'm guessing seven to 8% at the major league level. Um, maybe a 24% strikeout rate. Um, and he's got a decent amount of ground balls too. So this guy looks like he could be, I don't even think I ran projections on him in the preseason. So off my head, maybe three, eight, three, seven ERA going to have the strikeouts and inning. I'm not going to walk a bunch of guys, not going to have a terrible home home run for nine either. So I, I really like him. Big fan of him. I think I own him in all my leagues. I was actually literally the day they announced it. I had all those injuries. I had Sousa, had some Zell and stuff and on some other teams like Peter O'Brien got sent down because I was a big fan of Peter O'Brien. Um, and Vo- I was afraid Vogelback wasn't going to start. So I was like, I was like, I got to drop someone. So um, I almost dropped Bryce Wilson. And then like, I saw like an hour after I had put in my fab, they're like, all right, he's a starting pitcher. I like had to go through all my teams like that <laughs> and like undo all the fab before it uh, locked. Oh, that would have been something else right there to lose him on that. Cause yeah, I've, I've heard good things. You mentioned uh, Matt Thompson, his, his uh, other friends of the fantasy benefit guy, Justin Mason's talked about him pretty, uh, a lot in some pretty glowing fashion. So Definitely a guy that if he wasn't added, and he was added by a lot of people, like you said, he's going to be pretty popular come this weekend. Um, that'll wrap up the kind of waiver wire looks and most things we have here. But I did want to mention it because you mentioned it earlier. You're working on a, a potential 100 minor leaguers to uh, you know help this season. Can you give us an insight on a couple that you're honing in on earlier than later in the season? Yeah. Um, one guy that sticks out, and it's for the Padres, so a lot of things are going to have to fall his way. But one of the guys – I I want to see in the majors right now and um, prospect guys don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what projection systems are saying <laughs> it. This pro- all the projection systems say Esteban Kirez um, is going to be a better major league hitter this season than Fernando Tatis. I'm not saying that I'm just telling you what projection systems are saying, but uh, the guy amazing bat speed has um, good plate skills. He's going to hit some home runs. When I was, I did some comps for my league guys. I comped them to Jed Lowry, and I was like, I know a lot of people probably aren't going to like this comp, but I was like, Jed Lowry is really good. Trust me. I was like, this guy. I mean, Jed Lowry was an All Star last year, so he's not going to like. He might not blow you away with anything he does, but he's going to be really good, and he has the potential to be a better player than Jed Lowry. He's five nine, so he's really small. So people probably don't think of him that much of a power batter or anything, but I can see 25 home runs from him um, whenever he gets the call, like if he gets 600 play appearances. It's just a question of the Padres got Urias, they got Tatis. Um, did, they, did they sign Kinsler? Is that their – Yeah, Kinsler's playing second base right now because they sent Urias down when they brought Tatis up. They got you got Franville Reyes. You got all kinds of people up there. Yeah, so it's going to be hard for him to get every day at bats, but I've said it. I always say you can't predict baseball. Like something weird is going to happen with some team. Like some guy's going to get hurt that you don't expect to get hurt. And then when the the Padres won't have to scramble because they have all these guys. And if they need a second baseman, they got this really good second baseman at a – he's going to start at AAA this season. They got him to go. And another Padres guy that I've been really big on who's been – he hasn't even played in two years because he's been injured. And he's an outfielder, so I don't think 
he's going to start this season. I think he's going to have to get traded out of San Diego is Alex Dickerson. Yeah. Dude, pro, dude profiles similarly to um, Anthony Rendon. Similar profiles. 40% hard contact rate, good plate skills, hits the ball in the air. I mean, the dude's really good. It's just a question of can he stay healthy? And then when he starts staying healthy and he just does good, question is where is he going to play? Because this guy's too talented to stay in the minors. He's such a good hitter. Like, He's got to get out of San Diego because they, as you said, they got Reyes, they got Cordero, they got Myers, they got Margot. They, they, they go they, on and on. They just claim Socrates Brito off of waivers. <laughs> it just gets better and better. They, you know, they did that just to troll the Diamondbacks. I saw something that said that. I was like, I think well, it was Eno, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They just literally were like, "Yep, we're just going to ruin your day." I'm sure. I'm sure Bogman and the Welsh are having a fun time watching that team. Oh yeah, no, they're loving life. I, I, I DM'd him the other day, and they're they're having a great time, great great time with all that. Um, yeah, it's always entertaining there, and I I understand their for frustrations, but as a Giants fan this year, I'm in for a long long season as well. Lost two to nothing today to the Padres. It's just going to be a, a rough one. So yeah. Oh, you guys got like three World Series in the past. That's the years. answer everybody yeah. gives me. It feels like it was uh, so long ago, though. It feels like it was so long ago. Do you know? Do you know what my teams are? I'm a Predators fan, a Titans fan, and a Brewers fan. Over all time, we have zero championships. I don't even know a championship before I was born. I I, I picked losing teams. That's how bad it was. I like I like the Brew Crew. I'm a big Brew Crew fan, so uh, I picked them to win the National League this year and get to the World Series. So uh, big big fan of them this year. I'll be pulling for them when I can't pull for the Giants when they're eliminated after like I'll give them I'll give them May when they're eliminated after May. I'll uh, I'll really root for the Brew Crew. Do you think they're going to have the re- worst record in baseball? No, no, the Orioles uh, are going to have fun oh. with that one. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot the Orioles are throwing out like a Double A pitching staff. Yeah. Actually, I, I think Justin Mason was talking about that. The Braves, like, double-A pitching staff is better than the Orioles' major league pitching staff. Like, yeah, it's so it, obvious the Orioles are trying to lose. It's really – Andrew Kashner is your opening day starter. <laughs> not good. Not good at all. So, yeah, and, and in the lineup they put out there, I was like, hey, the Giants looks bad, but the Orioles looks really bad. So, yeah, I feel a little better, better about that one, but it'll be tough. Uh, they'll fight the Marlins for the second worst record. Marlins, Tigers, Giants, Orioles. There's your four worst teams in baseball. I don't think the Marlins are going to be that bad this year. Um, the only th- the only reason why I think they're going to struggle is because that division's so tough. Like I think they are going to be yeah. more competitive than people think. I agree. Like they have a veteran lineup that's pretty interesting, and the pitching staff's not bad. But just uh, I don't know that that division's so so tough. Hey Miami, if you want to win, call up Peter O'Brien. Why did you send him down? I've been the biggest Peter O'Brien fan this offseason. And you're going to send them down and ruin all my fantasy teams. How dare you? Yeah, I have no idea what they're doing there. That made too much sense to play. And it was it, it seemed like it came to a surprise of many. Even Craig Mish, who tweets about them all the time, he was quite shocked by that situation. So we'll see. There's going to be, you know, in a couple of weeks, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of minor leaguers start creeping up here uh, real quick. So we got lucky with, you know, Eloy, Tatis, Alonzo starting out early. But uh, we'll get the cert, quote unquote service time figured out, and we'll see a lot more show up here pretty soon. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, but that'll wrap us up this week, Joe. Uh, it was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Uh, before we we log off here, why don't you once again let everybody know where they can find you and what you got going on? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Joe Gentile FT um, and at FakeTeams.com. Uh, I usually probably post maybe 
once every week, once every two weeks, um, depending on how my schedule goes. And uh, if I'm not posting, I'm usually just putting out like little things on Twitter, just kind of giving you some sleepers to watch and all that. So uh, you can contact me if you need any help, anything like that. Um, always free to answer questions. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, been a pleasure. Really fun. All right, we'll do it again sometime. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 157. Joe Gentile of Fake Teams talking to fantasy baseball sleepers. Catch you guys later.